0: Restaurants Unstoppable, episode 67. Welcome to RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Listen to successful restaurant professionals as they discuss the tools, tactics, and services they use to better lead, manage, and market their restaurants. Join our community and make your restaurant dreams unstoppable. Here's your host, Eric Yo, what's going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? It's your host, Eric Cacciatore, and this is the podcast for personal growth in the restaurant industry, and we do that by... Listening to the stories and taking the advice from some of the industry's most successful restaurant professionals. Today's a milestone for Restaurant Unstoppable because we have the show's first James Beard winner on. And he just is, you know, filled with some incredible advice and he tells some awesome stories. So, you know, uh, pay attention and uh, you will not regret uh, sticking through this episode to the end. It's a long one. But, uh, you know, it, it, he's just so, uh, so filled with great advice and I hope you guys get a lot of value out of this episode. I know I did. Um, and if you really like what I'm doing here, make sure you support me by giving me a five star review on iTunes and Stitcher radio, you know, the really, the best way you can support this podcast is just by sharing it and, uh, telling other people about the incredible advice, uh, the, you know, these people that are sharing, uh, and just pouring their hearts out and telling us what it takes to be successful in the industry, uh, you know let's get the word out so uh, enjoy today's show here it is so with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest chef jamie bisonette chef how are you i'm well how are you i am terrific and like i ask all my guests are you ready to drop some restaurant bombs of knowledge on us I'm
1: going to
0: try my best. Chef, I know you're going to rock, and I cannot wait. Chef Bissonnette is a graduate of the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale. Not long after graduating, he began cooking and staging throughout the country and in Paris. Eventually, he found his place in Boston, working in some of the city's most well-known kitchens. In Boston, Chef Bissonnette joined forces with Ken Oranger to develop well-known KO Prime, Toro and Coppa restaurants. Today, Chef Bissonnette is applying his leadership and talent in New York City at Toro's newly opened second location. Rising Star Chef, Best New Restaurant, and People's Choice Best New Chef are a few of the titles Chef Bissonnette has earned. However, it is his most recent accolade, James Beard Best Chef Northeast, which has me extremely humbled and honored to be speaking with him today on my show here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Chef, that's just a quick introduction. Uh, I'm going to pass it over to you now to elaborate and tell us a little bit more about how you got into the industry and how you got to where you are today.
1: Um, uh, that was quite the introduction. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> makes me, you made me blush. Ooh, if only I had that same effect over the ladies. So go ahead. I kind of fell into this industry by accident. When I was a kid, I was playing in punk rock bands or hardcore bands and you know, trying to you know, make my way. And one of the things about, I, I don't know, you know, I was always in the subcultures. We were, you know, different. We were weird. And we were, you know, unlike everybody else. We were getting tattooed when we were young teenagers. Yep. And we were trying to, we wanted everybody to know that we're not like you. Like, we don't want you to think we're like you. We're straight edge. We're mm-hmm. vegan. We're, you know, we were all the things that in, like, you know, the early 90s, late 80s, people weren't. And, you know, very often. And, uh, you know, as that was happening, I think that for us, a lot of what we did revolved around being communal, and being communal, you know, no matter where you are, kind of ends up being about food and beverage. And It was, you know, where are we going to go get, you know, caffeine-free soda, or where are we going to go get coffee, or what, you know, at before a hardcore show, or after practice, where are we going to go get lunch? And uh, we were always, like, you know, doing what we did, shopping for records, skateboarding, being mischievous, blowing things up and then it was all about eating and I found that I was always looking forward to eating and a lot of us were you know it'd be like oh let's go here and get mashed potatoes at this place and go somewhere else and get they've got better mac and cheese and going from a diner to, to a restaurant to you know some place in the ghetto for empanadas and then going you know back to somebody's house and eating and sometimes we would go and get like, you know, we're really broke we don't have any money so we'd go to the grocery store and buy spaghetti and tomatoes and we'd you know, I would cook, and I started finding that I really loved what I was doing. I really loved cooking. Um, I'd made some scrambled eggs with, soft, like, soft scrambled eggs with cheese on toast once for myself, and the guys that were helping my dad paint, paint our house said, that looks awesome. And they were definitely messing with me. Like, they didn't want to eat it. They thought I was just some, like, 12-year-old <laughs> idiot. And I was like, oh, let me, I'll make it for them. And I made them one. I'm like, you guys want it? And they're like, wow, this is really good. How did you learn how to cook this? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I just know that when other people cook eggs, sometimes they're soft, and when they're soft, they're delicious. So when I cooked eggs, they figured out how to make them soft by not <laughs> cooking them as high. And I just feel like maybe that's when I, I realized I had the knack for cooking. Okay. And then as a, you know, vegetarian, my parents didn't really cater to what I wanted to eat, and my mom was a pretty terrible cook anyway, so I wasn't really missing out on anything. And uh, awesome. by the time I was like 15, 16, I was cooking fairly often, and not practicing with the band as much so uh, drama and you know every every decision you make from like 15 to 30 is made basically off of emotion and emotionally i just kept making these really terrible decisions and you know, got kicked out of high school got my ged kept getting in fights quit my band you know just having fallout everywhere mm-hmm. one one thing after another and I was like oh you know what i need to i need to recalibrate i need to get out of here and i started looking at them, what do i, I want to do and when I was 17, I said, maybe I can go to culinary school become a chef. I was, you know, working in a place, cooking a little bit in a deli of a grocery store. I was really fascinated by watching the Discovery Channel Great Chef series and Jacques Pen and, you know, Yonk and Cook and, you know, all of those those kinds of things, you know. And uh, awesome. I got into, a, got into a culinary school and at 17 moved to as far away as possible, which at that point for me seemed like South Florida. I went to Fort Lauderdale. And then the rest, they say, is checkered history.
0: You know, it's it's kind of interesting. You talk about you how you uh, had all these failures and you uh, made all these bad decisions at a young age. But you know, it's it's so many people they don't realize that it's a good thing to make these mistakes at a young age and to uh, find yourself and to really figure out where you want to be. Um, and not not many people have that opportunity to fail fast and fail early in their life. Um, and I'm sure that failure helped you kind of get your clarity about who you are.
1: Well, let's be honest. I didn't find the clarity at a young age. Everybody, when they're 17, says, I'm going to be this, I'm going to do that. I just happened to be lucky enough to have, you know, taken a blind stab in the (laughs) dark. You know, it it was a kill. I was just lucky that I hit the right, I hit the right artery and and dropped that beast that was inside of me. I mean, I was still still a mess up and still doing dumb stuff until probably about 22 was when I found Focus again, and that's when I I looked and I was like, I got to, I was, I traveled all over the country and, you know, was learning a lot and Mm -hmm. looking back. How much can you really learn when you're a teenager? How much can you really learn at 17, 18, 19 years old when you've got all those hormones and adrenaline <laughs> and like, angst and anger and pent-up things? Like By the time you know, I was a sous-chef at 21 years old at a restaurant, and I, or 20 actually even, I was a sous-chef at a restaurant at 20 years old after only cooking for three years. Nowadays, if somebody comes out of culinary school and they're three years out and they say they want to be a sous chef, I laugh at them. I'm like, "There's no way." Mm-hmm. They go, "Well, I heard an interview where you were." I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. I was, and I shouldn't have been." Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was 22 and I realized that I had moved back to Connecticut and I was living in Hartford and I was a total townie. You know, just working enough to go out to bars and pick fights and be an idiot. And <laughs> I, it's like I need it, I need to clean up, and yeah. uh, I just decided, you know what? I'm going to go to Boston. I've got friends up there. I've got family up there and there's a chef up there i want to work for and i, I came to boston to to try to work with ken great and, uh, didn't work out at first but eventually we connected and uh you know now he's my, one of my best friends my business partner my mentor uh somebody that i get to learn from some sometimes i even get to teach him which is you know when i watch him listening to something that i'm saying i'm like wow man this is like <laughs> the cart leading the horse right now it's, just, <laughs> it's a great feeling that is great
0: Well, uh, thanks for sharing us the story about how you got into the industry. We know you a little bit better now. Uh, Before we really start diving into the questions, I want to get the interview going in a positive, motivational, uh, inspirational uh, direction. So can you share with us one of your most favorite success or leadership quotes, or maybe it's a mantra that you live by?
1: The mantra is... and. Forgive me, but it has, a, it has a swear in it. Can I say that? Yeah, that's fine. I'll just hit the explicit button when I publish it. Okay. Don't worry. <laughs> all right. So um, the, my, our mantra is, and this is something I tell all the young cooks, is pay attention to what the fuck you're doing. That's it. If you pay attention to what you're doing all the time, mm-hmm. and I, I have to swear when I say it because it's just that one point that gets the young cooks to just look and say, oh, I get it. Anybody can, like, learn how to cook a piece of trout, flip it, make a butter sauce, and put it on top. But not everybody can 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 learn how to do that with finesse and care. Mm -hmm. You can teach anybody how to do something, but you can't teach people how to care about it. And if you're paying attention to what you're doing, you're caring, you know. Absolutely. How you know, caring about opening up a can and knowing that the top of the can should be wiped down because you never know you know, where that can was in a truck en route or in a factory or when it was made who may have had dirty hands and touched the top of it
0: i totally hear what you're saying chef and i think um you know that's why it's so important that we find great people because like you say we can't uh we can teach them anything but we can't teach people how to care and um, um, this might come up later on in the interview but the next question i have for you now chef is what is your it factor what is it about you that contributes to your success I don't, know, I, don't
1: even, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> uh, to quote Henry Rollins, part animal, part machine, I, I, got, I have a, a real ability to work a lot. I'm a workhorse. Um I, I, working, just working really, really hard all the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Chef, I, I have to point out that it's kind of ironic that you say that you, you don't even know what it is about you, because I've found a, one of the common characteristics in my guests is their humility. Is their humility? Uh, they don't know how uh, great they are, and uh, they just do what they love, and it's that passion and that love and that desire to just be in, immersed in what it is that that makes them who they are, uh, that contributes to their success. And you're quoted saying, uh, and this is when you found when you got an email from a friend saying that you were nominated for a james beard um your response was when someone emailed me that i was on the long list of james beard nominees i wrote back very funny so i mean it's it's just funny that you know uh you, you just don't see yourself as anything spectacular in that you're just who you are and you just follow your passion and if you take that passion you combine it with your work ethic you know part machine uh, part beast or part animal. Uh, I mean, you're gonna you're unstoppable. So it's really cool.
1: I think that there's that famous quote: "Find something that you love and let mm. it kill you."
0: Yeah, awesome. Yeah, man. It, it, it was just it resonated with me because uh, I had a feeling that you were gonna be an extremely humble person, but uh, you are proving to be extremely humble. So the next question I have. For you, chef. So basically, using this "it" factor, um, how did you apply uh, this factor of just being incredibly hardworking? How had bring us to a story where your work ethic just made you, you know, shine through in one particular moment in time?
1: When I got my first job as a, as an executive chef, opening up a restaurant called Eastern Standard, we opened up to pretty good accolades. We were a big, big restaurant, mm-hmm. and we thought we were going to be doing like 150 to 200 covers a night. I mean, we sat a lot, but we just we were in the middle of a neighborhood in Boston that was not where it should be at. We're near the ballpark, but we just you know there were other restaurants that, of our level near the ballpark that weren't busy, and we just we weren't sure what was going to happen. And after about a month and a half, we were doing like 400 covers and 600 covers a day, and then like 800 covers a day. And I looked at the the owner, Garrett, and I said, you know, Garrett, if I had known we were going to be this busy, I probably wouldn't have taken this job. <laughs> And he looks and he goes, if I'd known we were going to be this busy, I wouldn't have hired you. <laughs> but there That's we were, successful and having fun and creating a restaurant that is, you know, now still a part of Boston. And it's like an iconic restaurant in Boston. And it was one of those restaurants that, after four months, we knew it was going to be iconic. And Garrett looked at me and he goes, he goes, hey, kid, I don't know if you realize this, but you're building something that this city is going to remember for years. And I looked at him and I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, yeah, yeah. Right <laughs> over there. And I was like... Speaking, I was putting together a metro shelving for the walk, and I'm like, "Yeah, hopefully everybody takes pictures of that metro shelving." And I totally didn't. I d- just dismissed what he was saying, but looking back, he was he he was onto something a little bit about about that restaurant and what it was, what it meant to the city.
0: Awesome! And if you didn't have that work ethic, uh, it would probably would have never you know grown into what it was. So uh, it's an incredible story. Uh, thank you for sharing it with us. Um, that way, we talked about how your it factor has contributed to your success. Let's talk about a time that you failed. Can you? Take us through a story where um, something didn't work right. You did something wrong. Maybe it was during a service hour. Maybe it was during a few months of opening a new restaurant that things just didn't come out the way you had planned and uh, you came short. Can you, can you think of one moment?
1: I can think of, uh, yeah, I can think of one major moment. In the last 20 years of my life, I have only worked and failed at friendships and now I realize that at 37 years old, <laughs> you know, I don't know all the people that I grew up with anymore. Can that's you a pretty big failure.
0: Uh, that, that's, yeah, that's definitely tough. And it's one of the struggles with this, in this industry, you have to have that assembly of balance between life and work. Um, can you give us any advice? Um, what did you learn from this and what advice do you have for anybody who might be just, you know, killing it in their career and doing a great job, but suffering in their personal
1: life? I mean, I look at, you know, some of the most successful chefs out there, and, you know, success is arbitrary. What's success? Is success having five restaurants and, you know, making a trillion dollars, or is success having one restaurant, being happy and having a family? I mean, it all depends on what, you know, what what somebody really, really wants. And I think that somebody out there that I see that has, you know, a great balance like that is uh, like my business partner, Ken. Mm -hmm. He is absolutely at the top of the field, and he's got a wife and two amazing children. He's somebody that I can look to for inspiration and say, he figured out a way to do it. And, you know, and it was just, you know, starting later in life.
0: Awesome. Thank you for sharing that, and it, and it is a, a definite struggle in the industry. A lot of people do struggle with it, so I'm happy you pointed it out. Um, we're going to jump into the part of the interview now that I've been calling knowledge bombs. So what you're going to do is just drop some big old bombs of knowledge on us uh, that are going to help us all uh, with our own restaurants and becoming successful. So are you ready to drop some bombs of knowledge? I am ready. All right, let's do it. Uh, the first question I have for you, Chef, is what advice do you have for funding a restaurant?
1: If you're great at what you do and you've done the right proper networking, um, the money will come as a young cook when somebody says hey go to the dining room and talk to somebody and young cooks always say no I don't want to or I don't feel comfortable in the dining room or I just cook I just cook you never know if you when you walk out there and somebody says they want to say hello to you or somebody's a regular and you see their name on the you know on the Soignier ticket or the px ticket and, you, and you, you you recognize them as somebody it doesn't matter if you think they're rich it doesn't matter if you think they're poor if they're in the industry or they're not go out and say hi to people developing relationships and getting people to believe in you and that the money part can be can become easy to find. If, mm-hmm. if you're a pleasant person, be humble, be kind, be caring, be compassionate. You know, at the end of the day, this is the hospitality industry. Be hospitable to everybody, no matter who they are. And network, get to know people.
0: Oh, man, I'm so happy you went in that direction because I wrote down uh, something I wanted to ask you because of your ability to find incredible partners. Um, I mean, you're working with Ken Oranger. Uh, you know, he's no, you know, you know, like no name in the industry, people know who he is, and it was your work ethic, your ability to work hard, and just show up to work and to do a great job that made him uh, give you these opportunities. Because if I, if I, if I did my research correctly, he approached you to have you uh, come help out with the new restaurants he was opening, and uh, you really just from your your work ethic got all these great opportunities you don't necessarily need to go out and get the money you can just work your ass off and get discovered do you have anything to add to that
1: yeah i mean i think that, that my my situation was pretty lucky i think part of it was also that you know when i told him i wanted to start opening up my own restaurants he looked at me and said well i don't want to compete with this guy you know, <laughs> I do similar food to what i do and in my same neighborhoods
0: yeah that's great I mean I guess uh, one piece of advice would just be if you are somebody who's passionate and you want to learn uh, but you don't have the ways of you know securing the money look at the people in the industry who are successful and if you have the talent and you prove yourself to them be, that could be a great way a lot of these people that are super successful like Ken see the talent in others and instead of you know competing against them they want to work with these people and that's a great way to kind of get your kickstart to your career so awesome thanks for being an incredible example of that uh, what advice do you have for hiring good people
1: For hiring? Yeah. You know, working with people in a restaurant is like starting a relationship. It's like dating. It's like like having a polyamorous relationship Mm -hmm. in a restaurant. Get to know somebody. You know, interview people. Even if it's a dishwasher or a line cook, get to know their personality. Mm If you're going to be in a kitchen with somebody for 8 to 12 hours a day, And you don't have anything in common with them. You don't like them. Mm -hmm. They've got a personality that's a little bit abrasive, or personality that's too timid for for you. That that they might not be the best fit. It doesn't matter how amazing of a cook they are. If somebody you don't get along with them, they're going to drive you nuts. Um, That being said, so interview people. Pay attention. Ask them personal questions. I mean, don't break the law. Don't so ask them things that aren't any of your business. But for me I ask, you know, what are your favorite bands? You know, did you play any sports? You know, what are your hobbies? Do you read? What was your favorite book? I ask a lot of non food questions of servers and managers and food runners and and even dishwashers and prep cooks and line cooks. Just to you know, get to get to know them more. I wanna know. You know, I want to yeah. know all the people that are around me. I wanna know what we have in common. I wanna know how to joke with them yeah. and how to treat them well, you know, giving them the security that they're at a at a place where, you know, their bosses are invested in them as people maybe not just financially but emotionally that you care
0: i hear you so much yeah all
1: incredible advice so once you find these great people how do you keep them on your team just being even and kind And, you know, knowing that, you know, some restaurants, when somebody's ready to leave, they say, oh, I think I want to leave and move on, and they give their notice, and then they're fired. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of restaurants do that. It's a very common practice where you're like, oh, you don't want to be with me anymore? You're a manager? You're out of here. I don't want you here either. For me, it's anytime somebody says, hey, I think that I want to move on or I want to get a new job, the first thing that I say is, okay, what do you want to do next? How can I get you there? What can I make you better to be best at whatever job you move on to because at the end of it if somebody leaves me after a year or after four months and they go somewhere else and they're not awesome I don't the Other the people are going to look and go mom I had somebody come from working for Jamie and they weren't very good so Jamie's obviously not running a tight ship that's what I would think inherently is what other people think yeah. that's what I think if I get a cook that you know comes from somewhere else and somebody doesn't say hey this guy's not good and I don't get any reference on him and they're not good I just think, or she's not good I, I think wow You know, that that person coming from that restaurant, you know, maybe next time somebody coming from that restaurant, I might not hire. I don't want that. I want people, you know, being a chef... Chef means teacher to me. Yeah, you got to teach everybody that works for you. You've got to, you know, everybody who comes to work for me should leave here smarter, stronger, and better at their job than well, before they got here, if they stay with me for a year or so. So
0: I'm oh, in. I love my all job. Of it. Is to get them there. <laughs> You're dropping such incredible advice. And another thing, a lot of people say is when you suggest, you help them get to that next level, they won't forget you. When it comes time that some of their friends are coming up through culinary school and they're looking for good work. Um, they're going to push their friends onto you, and you're going to find people, p- people of like stature and like personality, travel in packs, and it's just a great way to, you know, keep those positive relationships going to find a great talent in the future. So, uh, such great advice. Thank you for sharing, Chef. Um, so, let's talk a little bit about teamwork. What advice do you have for, you know, getting through those rushes and working as a unit?
1: To quote my former chef de cuisine of six and a half years that just left me in Toro, Boston last week, Mike Smith. Mike Smith is one of the best hardest workers I've ever met But one thing that he used to say And as cheesy as it sounds, it's so true Teamwork doesn't seem work If you work as a team (laughs) Selflessly, you will always be successful
0: Teamwork doesn't seem work I love it, I've never heard that one But I'm totally going to use it Mike Smith said that?
1: Mike Smith, teamwork doesn't seem work Because teamwork makes the dream work uh, I don't know all where we're working that. for the <laughs> same goal. We're all working for the same goal. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you're if you're a, a cook and you're prepping during the day and lunch is busy and you see that the the servers are backed up and you know how to run food, run food. You know, mm-hmm. if you're in a fine dining restaurant, maybe not, but if you're in a restaurant like Toro or Copa. Run the food. The guests will see that, and the guests will say, wow, that, that cook is running food. They may not get it, but if one guest does, it's awesome, and it shows, you know, the other servers that there's no d- – d- another thing, I think, in restaurants that we need to break down the walls, as, as you today said. You've got to break down the walls of front of the house, back of the house. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what your job description is. At the end of the day, it's buy food, fix it up, sell it for a profit, greet people at the door, get them to buy your food and beverage at a profit, and make them have a good time. It's really easy. You know, it's really easy if you break it down to the simplicity of what it is. Smile, <laughs> say please and thank you, make sure that what you're giving them is better than what they can, you know, what they can get somewhere else, or as good as the best that you can make it. And don't be a dick.
0: You're just peppering us with great little bombs of knowledge, uh, all so valuable. Thank you so much for sharing that. And um, the next question I have for you, Chef, is what is your best restaurant resource, whether it's a book, a magazine, or a website? What's one resource that you love and would suggest to anybody listening in?
1: I think the best restaurant resource that I have are my friends that have been working in restaurants and being able to call a chef, a restaurant manager, an owner, and asking opinions and, and mm-hmm. you know, having the trust of somebody like Garrett Harker or Louis De Picari mm-hmm. and being able to say, hey, how would you do this? What would you do? And getting an honest answer. Awesome. For me, looking yeah, looking to my friends and looking to my staff. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I'm I'm the boss and my general manager in New York says this all the time. I'll ask a line cook their opinion on a dish. At the end of the day, the line cook has only been cooking for a year and a half. Their palate's probably not where it needs to be. They might not know, but if you know they have an opinion, a strong opinion, and you know they've been working here. I've, obviously, I respect their opinion to cook my food. And if they have an opinion on something, I'm always going to hear it. I think that being open minded and knowing that. Criticism is good. I think you can learn a lot from just listening.
0: Yeah, you're so, I mean, you're, you're just dropping such incredible advice. You're so right. And uh, thank you for sharing all this. Uh, the next question I have for you, Chef, um, is what social media tools do you use and what advice do you have um, to be successful with your social media marketing?
1: I, I think what we should all do is really, you know, go back to MySpace and then Twitter all over your Facebook. Yeah. That was a joke.
0: <laughs> I didn't really know where to go
1: with that, but... <laughs> uh, it's a shirt yeah. one of my cooks wears. So let's go back to my <laughs> face so I can Twitter all over your Facebook. It's pretty uh, funny. Uh, um, okay. I <laughs> I'm a little that's slow get, to the joke. Sorry, man. I'm just catching on. am getting up. cut. <laughs> um, okay. For social media, I think it's it's, it's a great networking tool. I, I, like, I like how, you know, for me, I use Instagram and Facebook personally. No, I'm sorry. Instagram and uh, Twitter personally. I don't have a, a Facebook... Because um, I like it because it's in, it's mm-hmm. quick. It's one off. You know, it's great for news. It's great for a new dish. It's great for saying, "Hey, we're doing a dinner." And, and I feel like you you can reach a lot of markets, and it's easy to to re communicate the the things. And I love the, the, you know, back in the day, if I wanted to know what was going on at a restaurant in Paris, when I first started cooking, I had to go there. You know, if I wanted to know what was going on at a restaurant in Boise, Idaho, I had to go there. Mm-hmm. Now, if I want to know what's going on at those kinds of restaurants, I can look on, at their Facebook or their Twitter or their Instagram account and see a photo. I don't get to taste their food, but I get to see a little bit about what's going on. And I think that's why our industry has exploded oh, in the last yeah. five years uh, with that ne- that networking. And yeah. I've met I've met chefs from Canada from. California—that have now become people that I, I call my friends. That you know, we text each other on holidays and birthdays and all sorts of things because of social media. And I, yeah. I feel like it's a great networking tool. Yeah, it's for the it's, restaurants. We use Facebook for a lot as well because Facebook—it's like having a second home page that's easier to get to. You know, you yeah. get your own web page, uh, but having a Facebook page is also is also really important for getting out. You know, your independent like quick quick notices.
0: Yeah, you're so spot on. I mean, a lot of people think of social media as just a way to market, but really, if you're doing it right, it's not a marketing tool, it's a networking tool, and that's really what you're doing. You're engaging with people and establishing relationships, not only your customers, but people in the industry to learn. It's a great way to, to collect data and to expand and constantly improve upon yourself. So such important um, things that you're, you're pointing out. Thank you so much. Um, so let's talk about technology a little bit. In this industry, technology is rapidly expanding. Um, the things that we can do today in our kitchens and in the front of house with tools and services are just you know ever evolving. How important is technology and how important do you think it is to kind of you know, stay on top of the times?
1: I think technology as as important as you want it to be. Um, and I look at some chefs uh, like like Wiley at WD50, mm-hmm. for instance. Wiley came up cooking, learned how to make amazing food, and is quite possibly one of the best chefs around. Okay. He can make the most simple, delicious things. He is such a process-oriented chef. He really thinks things out, and he has embraced the new technology, the new, um, you know, the new techniques of our industry in a, in a great way, but he learned how to cook first. You know, I think that looking at what, you know, a guy like Wiley or um, people like, um, you know, like Dave Chang, they, they, they learned first and then started using the technology and the techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, like, you know, going right into it and saying, well, the technology of this new oven and it's something different that we've never used before, and, and young cooks learning only on the newer technology yeah. things can be kind of detrimental. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, I, you, know, when you say, hey, let's just roast a simple chicken, or, like, you know, hey, I, I just want to make croutons, and you've got to cook, well, how much, uh, how much steam do you want in, in the oven? And then you, you're like, well, doesn't matter we're making croutons yeah no steam you know you you can find the benefits of it in both ways as far as like kitchen technology and yeah. as far as other technology i think like you know seeing the the different interfaces with you know apple programs and ipods and yeah. ipads and stuff that you can use for ordering definitely has its place in seeing you know seeing how quick food can be delivered you know in fast casual places and how accurately yeah. it can be it can be put together in fine dining places just by using the different technology things out there are great um, in you- a in- influx of terrible Things in technology, and there's been, you know, like a minority of really awesome things. And I feel like if you're always, my friend Louis in Boston, he's really awesome about technology. He's always listening and always reading and always paying attention to what's going on. And, you know, he's the first one to say, Technology's not making everything better, but if you keep looking at it, it'll make you better.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I asked this question, because it's it's so hard to to keep. You know, track of everything that's coming. So, can you give a completely objective review
1: on a piece of technology that you think is making the industry better? Dropbox or you know, share like file sharing. For so me important, so awesome to be able to be in the kitchen in Boston and look on an iPad or an iPhone or a computer and pull up a recipe or something that we're doing in New York that was just modified or just uploaded minutes earlier has been great. And yeah. as far as running multiple restaurants, being able to have you know one easily accessible place for all of your information it has
0: been great right on chef yeah that's a, a great tool it's been mentioned a few times on the show and it really helps with efficiency being able to, to draw upon those uh documents no matter where you are uh it just really saves time and it makes you uh super unstoppable so yeah thank you for sharing that the next question i have for you chef is what is your best business advice for somebody getting started in the industry
1: i think that i would say Don't look at anybody coming in the door as a a customer. Every Mm -hmm. single person walking in is a guest. And if you treat everybody like that, you'll you'll be a lot more successful. And I I always say, our restaurants, we spend more time in the restaurants than we do in our own homes. So by default, I kind of feel more at home at the restaurant. Mm -hmm. If I was going to invite somebody into my home and I was going to offer them a drink and offer them a a snack, a bite to eat, pull out a chair to have them sit down and speak with them, I'm going to be pleasant and welcoming, and I want them there and engaging. I'm going to make eye contact, and I'm going to care about their their mood. I'm going to care about their attitude, and I'm going to feel them out to see, you know, hey, what do you want to drink? Would you like some sparkling water, still water if I have it? you want beer, wine, or a cocktail? And give them what they want. And I feel like restaurants forget that we're hospitable, and you start saying, hey, uh, we had like 100 customers tonight. Well, yeah, if you're treating them as customers and you're looking at it as a business transaction, that's great. I mean, that's awesome as a business person, but as a hospitality person and a restaurant person, if you look at them as a a guest and you're treating them that way, the money will come. You know, it's kind of like, you know, what they say in the Bhagavad Gita, work not for the sake of, for the fruit of the labor, but for the sake of the work to be done. And Mm -hmm. then the fruits of the labor will come to you.
0: Great. I love it. I mean, you just dropping such a valuable advice on us and you've been so great Uh, are there any questions you can think of that i could have asked you that would have made this interview more valuable
1: i don't know um i feel like one thing that i always ask all the people that i interview you know young young people who say they want to be chefs is why Mm-hmm. You know, I think that a lot of people need to, to say, "Why do you want to be a chef? Are you chasing a James Beard Award, a Food and Wine Best New Chef Award? Are you chasing television fame?" You know, and if you are, that's fine. Some people do that, and they get it, and yep. it's it's no problem. So yeah. I wasn't one of those people. I feel like I'm very lucky to to have gotten any recognition. I would be doing I'd be doing the same thing I'd be doing now if if nobody recognized it. I would still be trying to do what I do because I love it.
0: So uh, and, you know what's coming, right? Why?
1: But, why, Chef? Why, why are you doing it, Chef? Why? That's the question. Because this is all I can do. <laughs> I love it. That's great. I can, bar- I can barely read. I'm terrible. I'm dyslexic. Uh, oh, man, me too. <laughs> I don't like That's going tough. to the gym. I wasn't a very good musician when I played in bands. I don't have the patience to do things not with my hands. I love food. and At the end of the day, I, I, I love what I, one of the things I love about cooking is I'm surrounded by delicious stuff all the time. At the end of the night, if I want to have a glass of grower champagne, I could do that. It's there. <laughs> if, I to, if I want to get caviar and eat caviar every day, that's, that's possible. I can do that. That's, and I, if I want to go out every night after work and eat somewhere awesome and every day off and every morning, technically I'm still doing research and development. <laughs> there are plenty of nights where I'm out with chefs and I'm still working. Oh, and I'm man. getting to do the things that I want to do, and at the end of it, I get to create other food and learn from it. And I mean, I don't, I don't know. People say that you know, that cooking is like an art. And I think of it more of like like a craft or a trade. I feel you know more like you know every day we get better at something. Yeah. and Every day we push ourselves. And with young cooks, if they say, "Hey, I want to be a chef one day," if you know, do you want to be a chef because you love food and you love this industry and you love making people smile and you love feeding people? That's great. If you want to be a chef because you like some of those things, but you want to be on the food channel and you want to be famous and you want to be well-known, that's great, too. And there's, you know, I look at it as being a musician. There's musicians that say, hey, man, I just want to play and do what I do, and you end up with somebody like Booker T. who (laughs) has been around for 40 years and makes amazing music and has, you know, a very small, like, level of of, of, you know, following from you know people that I think he's getting more and more well-known as he gets older, but he's just classic and amazing, like a Jacques Mm -hmm. Papin. Or you have somebody, you know, like... Justin Bieber, who gets big really, really, you know, really, really young and then kind of fizzles out. And, awesome. you know, I'm not saying that those are the only two ways to go in our industry, but...
0: I think you're, I mean what I'm hearing is just have have that vision, have your you know clarity and do what you're doing because you want to do it and don't fold to anybody. Just be authentic to yourself. Is that kind of...
1: Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Be true to yourself and you will never fall.
0: Yes. I love it. All right. This is where we wrap it up. So, um... Can you think of anybody in the industry that you think I should go after that you think would make an incredible addition as a guest mentor at Restaurant Unstoppable?
1: Uh, I think Garrett Harker, the owner of Island Creek Eastern Standard, Row 34, and Hawthorne Cocktail Bar in Boston, Massachusetts. He has had a profound influence on my life. He's a front of the house guy uh, who understands the awesome. kitchen more than any other any other front of the house person I've ever I've ever met, and he understands how to give hospitality. He understands good service. He understands good quality of life and how to keep employees around. Uh,
0: Thank so. you so much for mentioning a front of the house guy. We need more front of the house people representing the show, um, and I guess I me mean, give yourself a plug. Um, you're talking to a lot of you know, students of the industry out there, people who might want to come and stage with you. Uh, how can we connect? Um, where can we eat at your restaurants? And, I mean, tell us about your book, too.
1: I have a book about charcuterie. It's not for restaurants. It's a charcuterie book written for people to use at home. Like I look at, like, you know, if my dad wanted to make a sausage or a pate or something, like, this is a book for him to follow. It's definitely got some variations of stuff that you could use as a, in a restaurant, but I'm not trying to compete with, you know, the Michael Roman books and the professional charcuterie books. I wanted to write a book that was beautiful and fun and got out stuff that, you know, that you could do at home. Um, mm-hmm. And that comes out in September. And then restaurants, we have Toro and Copa in Boston, Toro in Manhattan. Um you know if you if anybody ever wants the stars, you can go onto any one of the websites and it has an email address for me
0: all right I mean it's such an incredible culture at any one of these restaurants I don't wouldn't understand why anybody wouldn't want to work underneath you guys um and now I'm going to go all woo-woo on you and uh, just thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to talk with somebody like me who's coming up and just trying to learn from the best. Um, the show wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for, you know, people like you who see the value in collaboration and helping others. Uh, so thank you so much for con- you know contributing to this melting pot of mentors. Uh, I couldn't be more humbled that you took the time.
1: Well, thank you very much. It was it was an honor to have been thought of and thanks for, <laughs> thanks so for reaching
0: out. No problem. And, uh... I guess, uh, best of luck with everything. I don't think you need luck. You have the work ethic and the talent, so you're going to be incredible. I can't wait to see what happens in the future.
1: Oh, thank you very much.
0: Wow. <laughs> Such an incredible episode. Uh, my first James Beard winner on the show. Uh, this is a milestone for Restaurant Unstoppable. I'm happy you guys are able to listen, with, listen in in uh, Enjoy uh, this uh, this moment. This uh, this is very exciting for me. So it's time for the debrief. Uh, man, what where I mean? Where do you start? He, he everything he said was incredible. But some of the things that really stood out to me um, that I think we should take away from this interview was his advice to well, first. Actually, let's start at the beginning when he says, you know, he had the opportunity to kind of fail young, fail early, and find out what was right for him. He says he took a, a shot in the dark. But, um, you know, sometimes as young people, if you are a younger person, don't be afraid to get out there and try things and fail fast, uh, fail early. It's okay to fail. It's when we fail that we learn a lot about ourselves and what we're good at and where our strengths are and where our passions are. So, um, I mean, I think he's very fortunate to have those failures early on in life. And the thing about failing early is when you fail early, you can rebound so easily because you have no liabilities. It's not a big deal. You just start over. You brush the dirt off and start over. So that was really cool. Um, Um, And moving on through the interview, uh, you know, talking about his it factor, just being uh, part animal, part uh, machine. uh, It takes that kind of person that, that can just go, go, go and uh can't sit still and just is a busybody and you know has that kinetic personality and you get the sense from him uh let's move forward uh, talking about uh you know his advice and i'm gonna i'm probably gonna touch on everything because everything was just you know so important to me and really resonated uh he mentions you know you gotta have that balance between your business life and your personal life i mean yeah he's successful but what is it all for what i mean if you can't work and then appreciate um, your your life outside of work. Why are you working? So you have to be able to, to find that balance. And it sounds like he is finding that balance, which is really great. Um, I want to jump to the point where he talks about, you know, funding your restaurant. And this is really important advice, guys. I hope you're paying attention. Uh, if you're somebody who's holding back and getting, you know, getting into this industry because you don't have the money or you, you don't want to make that investment, stop, you know, Using the, that as an excuse, get out there, find somebody you admire in the industry, and just go say, Hey, I want to work here for free. You know, what's the worst that could happen? If you prove yourself, um, and you work hard and they see the desire and the passion and the work ethic and if you mesh well with the kitchen and their culture they'll offer you a job and what's the worst that's going to happen they're going to say no you're not a right fit here then go find the next person that works well for you but if you prove yourself to these people opportunity will come but it all starts with you it all starts with the passion and just you know making the decision to jump but it, nothing will happen unless you leap and you start today so uh, that was really cool and um you know He also says, you know, social media, um, he doesn't use it just the market. He uses it, uh, he, he used social media and his friends and, um, the industry as his favorite resource. And you have to remember that social media just isn't a tool to broadcast, but it's a tool to absorb information and to bring information in, uh, And just find out what everyone else is doing. You can literally learn about anything, anywhere, just by doing a simple search. And if you don't use uh, Twitter for its search engine, uh, you're missing out. Because you can go to Twitter, go to the search engine. uh, You can find out what anyone's saying about you. Just type in your restaurant name whenever anybody mentions you. If you're interested about another restaurant, just type in that restaurant name. Or maybe it's a dish or a, a... a trend or some type of innovation that has your attention, uh, you can really use it to stay on top of what's happening. And it's instant. Um, it's up to date and it's uh, ordered th- chronologically so you know what's happening. It's a really powerful uh, tool. His advice for, you know, a uh, chef is a teacher. Uh, and when you're trying to keep people around and they want to move on and they want to progress in their career, don't get angry. I mean, help them think about where, what you can do to help them get to that next level. And if you help people and you give to others, it will come back around to serve you some way, some form. And, uh, this is just all such incredible advice. I mean, I could go forever. Um, but just one more thing I wanted to point out, uh, his advice for when you're hiring people, uh, be, make it personal. Make the interview personal. Find out about them. Uh, ask unique questions to get at their character, their personality. And John Taffer touches on this in his book, Raise the Bar. Uh, it's a very socially orientated industry. You have to find out if this person is socially intelligent, if they're going to mesh well with your people and your culture. So look at that. And, and, and like he says, uh, Chef Bisonet says, you can teach anybody anything, but you can't teach them how to care. So find people that have that natural, uh, you know, just willingness to care and to, to contribute everything they have and that they have the desire and the passion. And, uh, if they have that and they, they seem like they're a good mesh, those are the people you want to go for. Don't hire strictly based off skill. Um, because it's some, it takes so much more than just good skills to, to be successful in this industry. Uh, and I mean, that's all I'm going to say. i I could go on forever, but we're, we're reaching, uh, we're, we're over 40 minutes now. Uh, you know, again, chef, Jamie, uh, uh, thank you so much for, you know, uh, taking the time to contribute and to share your knowledge and to help mold and, uh, mentor the future of this industry. Uh, seriously, words can't express how grateful I am to have you on the show. And, uh, for anybody else that's listening to the show, if this is the first time you're hearing it, let me know who you admire and think would make a great contribution or a mentor to the show and I'll do everything humanly possible to get them on the show. Um, if you want to check out anything we, sp- we spoke about in today's episode, just head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash 67 and you'll find uh, recaps of everything we spoke about and links to everything we talked about in the show notes um, and uh, don't forget to help me out if you liked this interview uh head over to itunes.com uh there'll be links in the show notes and stitcher radio uh subscribe and uh give me a five-star review guys because that helps so much with uh you know getting my rankings up there and uh helping get discovered and uh you'll help this podcast reach more people that can benefit from the uh advice that is in it so uh that's all i have for you today uh until next time peace out